0: How about the double shower heads? Is that a game changer or what? Am I the only one that stood in the shower and just, just, the hills are alive? That was just me? Oh, okay. I probably shouldn't have told you that, I guess. Years ago, there was, wow, that thing feeds back big if I get up in front of it, don't it? Years ago, there was, still feeds back, well, it's right over here. Years ago, there was a, okay, <laughs> don't move, that won't work for me. You're, yeah, that's what it is, your fear. Years ago, there was a, uh, a man in Africa. Who became quite famous and became quite wealthy because he was the first one to discover how to get close enough that you could take video and record lions feeding. Uh, he had spent years doing it. He spent years working on a Land Rover and driving it into the midst of lions and gradually getting closer and closer and closer, and it'd scare them off. And he just he spent years getting them used to his vehicle and so that he could get in close enough because up to that point, no one was ever to get, they could get pictures of lions chasing their prey. Well, that was good. Come back. Uh, but, but, they could, well, but they couldn't get, get video of the lions feeding on the prey they'd just captured. And this man was able to get it to the point he could drive up close enough and, the lions, and watch the lions make the kill and then watch, get, drive up close enough to watch them actually feed on the carcass. And he was the first one to get there. So reporters and wildlife photographers and, and people that just had a lot of money flocked to him to be able to go and get in win that distance. Every time a group of them would get there, before they would leave, he would bring them out to the Land Rover and he'd give them the speech. He would say, First off, look at the Land Rover. It's well protected. It's got cage and bars all over it. The lions cannot get to you as long as you're in the Land Rover. I have conditioned these lions over the years to the point I can get close enough for you to get video. You will not need to get any closer. Stay in the Land Rover. Because if you get out of that Land Rover, we're out in grass about this tall, you think you can see everything, you can't see everything. There's always a female lion within 50 yards of us or so. He so said, you can't see them, and you get out of that Land Rover, you're going to be dead. And so he'd look at each one of them. He'd go to one of them and say, what do you do for a living? The guy would say, well, I'm a lawyer, and blah, 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 blah. He'd just go to each one of them, and they'd all give what they are. You know, Lawyers, journalists, wildlife photographers, they'd all tell them their story of who they were. He'd go, that's great. That's just, that's just awesome. When we're in the Land Rover and we're out there amongst those lions and we get to the point you can get the video to those lions, you're just food. Gave him perspective, right? Well, the story goes, true story, they get in the Land Rover and they all go out. Sure enough, he gets them close enough. They've killed the prey. They've dragged it over to an area. They're all feeding on it. He's got them close enough. That there's spots on the top where they can stand up and video and leaning out the windows, all kinds of tif- different stuff. Uh, they've got them close enough and they can get the video. And they're getting this video. And there's this one guy, wildlife photographer. Y'all, one y- there's probably one of y'all in here, right, that don't listen to instructions and don't follow instructions. You know, I'm going to be the guy that can get away with it, right? He gets out of the Land Rover. Now, the minute he gets out and the door shuts, the driver knows what's going on. He says to the person to his right, that that man's dead. And he reached down and starts trying to start his not trying to, reaches down and starts his motor as the guy's walking up front closer to get a closer view. And they're telling him, get back in the Land Rover. They're all telling him. He's, he's not telling him anything. He knows the man's already dead. The guy walks about three feet in front of the Land Rover and they hear this growl and they all look right and the guy with the camera up in front of the Land Rover looks to the left, left, right, to the left and there in the grass is a female lion, full-grown female lion. And this guy's honking his horn, he's doing everything he can to discourage it but it doesn't stop anything. Before the guy, as he looks, before he turns and finishes his first step, the lions hitting. him. I don't know if y'all know this or not but a full-grown African lion can cover 100 yards in 3.2 seconds. Think that one through. We're talking fast. Well, he's hit, grabbed by the back of the neck with, it, with the jaws and, and being dragged off. What was the problem? All he had to do was stay in the Land Rover, right? That's going to factor into what we're talking about repeatedly. Just think about staying in the Land Rover. And we'll talk about sometime, about what that means. Let's just start off by reading some scripture. I like God's word. I hope some of you have an actual Bible. It's a good thing to read it straight out of the Bible. I don't, some of you haven't learned that yet. But if you really want to study scripture, that thing on your phone is never going to do you any good when it comes to studying scripture. When it comes to studying scripture, you need a Bible with, with notes at the bottom. You need a Bible with with concordance at the back. You need something that you can actually study with and go from page to page and back to that page and et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's pick up Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read 1 through 16. There's a reason why we're reading all this, so just bear with me as we read it. Am I in the right spot? Yeah, it's just funny in the Bible. Okay. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, by faith. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command, that what we see was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir to the righteous, that is, in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he, could, he, he would not receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were their heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city of foundations, whose architect and builder was God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as good as dead, Came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and cloudless as the sands of the seashore. All these people are still living by faith when, we're still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they'd left, they would not have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Ryder goes on in some of the following scriptures to name many other great people of faith. And the things that they did in faith, But for the sake of time, I'm going to move it forward to verse 39 and 40. These were all condemned for their faith, yet none of them received what they'd promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Look at that again. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see what it's saying there? All of us and them are made perfect, joined together. see... What they did didn't finish it. They didn't even get to see it. So you could say that we're laying the foundations for you and I to stack upon because it's together that all of it came, comes together. We're adding to it together with them to make it perfect. Stay with me for a second. Look at verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It lays out this imagery that all these people named are now this this great cloud of witnesses, right? They're cheering us on. They're watching down over us as as we do what's being done to make perfect together, right? the great cloud of witnesses are all down there cheering us on and they're looking down at us going, dude, Stay in the Land Rover. You don't see the lion, but he's out there. Stay in the Land Rover. All this great cloud of witnesses, these people, the Greek for witness is is, uh, the origin of the English word martyr or testifier. Think about that for a second. What's my point in that? This is not a silent crowd just watching. This isn't this giant cloud of witnesses that's sitting up there with their arms folded looking down going, oh, that stupid Antoine. Did you see what he did? Oh, oh look what Wade's about to do. Oh, jeez. Oh, just test. That's, that's not what's going on here. I picture it more like a group of people, all of us, a group of us, watching a football game or a soccer game, or a hockey, or something, watching some sport, and when they score, what happens? Uh, LeBron goes in for the giant dunk right on top of somebody, you know, his head's here, and he's slamming down on top of me. What do you guys do? Seen, and that's minor what I've seen some of you do. Some of you are out of your chairs, and it's like, whoa, you're falling all over the place. Antoine, he'll be, all, he'll be on his back laying and kicking and laughing. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. So I know, I know that happens. Right? That's what I see these guys doing. That's what I see them doing. They erupt. They erupt at the top of their lungs when they see us do something that's great for the kingdom. So that means you. Personalize it. When they see you, your great cloud of witnesses, do something like that, they're on their feet cheering. I even imagine it more personal. My papa was known throughout the countryside where, where we grew up as a man of his word. If he told you he, he was going to do something, if he even told you he could do something, you could count on him, he could do it, and he would do it. And everybody knew him for that. He was known for that. And he was proud to, constantly in trying to teach me to be a man of my word. And so that when I did something, if I said I was going to do something, I did it. He said, a man, of, a man that's not a man of his word is not a man. He was known for this. So any time I see him now, he's passed, he's in heaven. I see him as a part of that great cloud of witnesses that's cheering me on. And I see him looking down. When I do something, I keep my word. I, look at, I, I see him up there celebrating it, looking down and going, yes, I taught him that. That's awesome. Look what he's doing, punching somebody else, punching my mom who's passed away now. You know saying? See? See, he's a man of his word, just like I taught him. And my mom's going, see, my mom was a lady who really, she was a godly woman. She really believed in the power of God. And she, what she was known for was to say, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. She would repeat it constantly. No matter what we were doing, if somebody was afraid of something, if somebody was Worrying about something. If somebody, the words would come out of her mouth. Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. She's what made me not afraid to share my faith. She's what made me a person of faith that says, I got nothing to fear. That lion's toothless. He can't hurt me. Not when I'm doing God's will not what I'm doing what God's telling me to do. So I see her in that great cloud of witnesses with Paul and with all those other people listed. Marvin Phillips, I don't know how many of you, how many of y'all in here know who Marvin Phillips is? I'd be interested to know. Okay, only a small handful. How many of you in here have heard the words, God is good, and the audience repeats back? All the time. And all the time. God is good. How many of y'all in here have heard that? Obviously a bunch of you, right? You've heard of the speaker before say it, right? That came from Marvin Phillips, 1976, the first Tulsa workshop. It was the first time it was done. You just heard the speaker that just talked about it. It's now done all over the world. They're doing it in Africa because one man started it. Marvin Phillips was a man of faith. He has passed on also. Marvin Phillips taught me, he taught me that It is important to love the lost as much as you love the saved. That may not mean much to y'all because this is a group of people that understand that. But I'm going to tell you, in the average church that you'll go to, they don't understand that. They spend all their money, all their efforts, all their everything on what? people in the church if they come up with okay we're going to change we're going to change the painting we're going to change the color of our walls who are they going to go talk to about what color walls they should paint people in the church what do they think I don't want to disappoint them I don't want to they won't think about well what does the lost people that come in here see they won't think about they won't think of it that way when well, they think of what kind of songs they're going to sing well what kind of songs would our congregation like to hear our saved people right so Marvin Phillips teaching and taught it, he didn't just teach it, he lived it. You've got to love the lost as much as you love the saved. Now he, he never said it the other way. He never said you've got to love the lost more than the saved. He said as much. He said it's equal. He taught me that. I see him in that great cloud of witnesses rejoicing every time I'm involved in bringing someone to Christ whatever involvement I might have, I see him on his feet leaping with joy and screaming at the top of his lungs. Because Marvin would do that. I could go on and on and list you many others that are a part of the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering me on, that are testifying, that are saying to me, I hear them saying it, stay in the Land Rover. When I fight for a soul, I don't think they can contain themselves this great cloud of witnesses, which includes the people I brought up, but all those others. I see Moses up there. I see all of them up there. When we fight for somebody's soul, I see all of them erupting from their chairs, flap falling down on their cloud, kicking their feet, doing whatever it is Antoine does when, when LeBron dunks. I see him doing all of that. <laughs> Antoine's saying, chill, no more. You think I'm going too far by saying that cloud of witnesses is doing that? That those people are up there doing that? I tell you the truth. There is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke 15 10. That's how Jesus said that. I believe words when he says them. Here's something Marvin Phillips said to me that I don't think I'll ever forget. It's one of the things that drive. Man, I'll quit talking about you if you... <laughs> one of the things that continually drives me forward when I, when I feel like maybe letting up. So write this down. Let it be something that somehow, do something with it that will help you remember it. Whether you tweet it or write it down or put it in notes or whatever, get this down because this one statement from Marvin Phillips has, has stuck with me over the years and I think always will. Someone is watching you and being affected by your faith or lack of it? Someone is watching you and being affected by your faith or lack of it. Hang on to that one, guys. It'll motivate you. Pull up that picture. Have y'all seen this? Many of you probably seen this picture, right? Y'all, y'all all seen this picture before? Been on the internet, all over Facebook. And... How many of you, the first time you look at the picture, think it's the little lion that's speaking? How many of you? How... Oh, only a couple. How many of you think it's the big lion that's speaking? Now, some of you didn't raise your hand, so that means you don't think. See, it works both ways. This great cloud of witnesses thing works both ways. You know, I told you the Greek word for witness is also martyr. If you've read the Old Testament, you know how the, all those people lived that lived, that he listed, lived a martyred life. But do you understand that every one of you are living a martyred life right now? If you're a Christian, you are. If you're a Christian, you, right now, in the life that you're living, are living a martyred life. Do you even understand that? By faith, we endure this life and its struggles. In other words, we live in war. Too many of us don't understand that. Here's what I mean. I'm going to try to get practical with it. Many men will say say this statement. And when I say many men, I think almost all men. I would bet there's very few of you in this room that have not said this statement. If not out loud, you've said it right here. And you've said it more than once. Here's the statement. You have no idea how I struggle in this life with lust. You're at war, guys. I stumble. I fall. I have disgraced myself. I have disgraced my loved ones. But, and here's the other part of the statement you've said, hopefully, because you should be saying, But by faith, I continue to get up and run the race that's set out before me. Because you ain't going to stop struggling. Struggle's real. That lion is there, and he wants to devour you. He wants you to get out of that Land Rover, and he's going to entice you with anything and everything that he can. See, we're all running this race for the joy set out before us. Our Land Rover that I keep talking about is a community of believers that you're involved in, the community of warriors that you're involved in. That includes, at least this weekend, every single person here. This is your community. And so when we're saying stay in the Land Rover, we're saying stay attached to your community. Scripture says that our enemy... The devil is like a roaring lion, pacing around looking for someone to devour. That's good enough reason to stay in the Land Rover. Some of y'all, a lot of y'all, have been involved in a lot of wars, fighting for souls, that kind of war I'm talking about now. Not the war over your own lust. You've been involved now in another kind of war, fighting for lost souls, right? A lot of you, right? Give me some feedback, right? You are? How does it feel when somebody you have fought for hard and you've gotten them in and they've been baptized and they're part of your group and they're and they're being around and they're sharing with you and they're becoming close and these things they're developing the real community and they walk away they get out of the Land Rover how does that feel doesn't it hurt? Hurts me when it happens. Brings me to tears, brings me to my knees over them. Why? Because I know. I know the minute they left the Land Rover. I know what's out there. And I know they're about to be eaten. I know they're already dead if we don't do something. If we don't start honking that horn, if we don't start starting that motor, if we don't do something, what we don't do is get out of the Land Rover. Right? We're at war, guys, and in the midst of this war, never forget—we are establishing a legacy. That's the other thing I think the average person, the average Christian, walking doesn't get till you start getting really old, you know, like ancient, like me, me and Robert, you know, some of those old guys. You don't start getting this part until we get old. You, we look back and realize it—you are leaving a legacy. Every one of you, no matter how young you are in this room, you are leaving a legacy right now. You are establishing your legacy in the walk that you're doing right now. Or some of you, it's not a good legacy. What's going to be said about you when you finally pass on and you're in that great cloud of witnesses? What's going to be said about you? Did did you stay in the Land Rover? What's going to be written down about you? I believe it's being written right now. Is it going to say, Man, Robert was a great warrior. Or is it going to be, Dude, Robert wasn't a warrior at all. See, you get to choose. Because you're leaving a legacy one way or the other. There's only two ways. It's either a good one or a bad one. There is no in between. You're either following God and doing what he wants. Or you're following Satan and doing what he wants. Even when you think you're just doing your own thing. Man, if you can't get anything from this lesson, get this. There is no such thing as your own thing. It doesn't exist. Whoever's told you that is... Okay, I got to call. <laughs> is a liar. Because it ain't true. There ain't one of you in here doing your own thing. This whole, I've lived long enough to see these generations coming past. All this generation comes in, and we're going to be different. We're going to be different that generation before us. We're going to be different. I ain't going to be like anybody else. And then you cut your hair just like everybody else. And you wear the same jeans everybody else is wearing. And you wear the same shirts everybody else. I don't look like anybody else. But you're looking like everybody else in your age bracket. I'm getting tattoos because, man. Dad don't like tattoos. I'm getting tattoos. I don't have a problem with tattoos, guys. I'm just using it as an example. I'm getting tattoos because my dad don't like tattoos. And I want to be different. Really? You guys roll your sleeves up. Y'all got tattoos? Y'all look the same. You ain't doing nothing different. And I've watched generation after generation after generation after generation do that. Do you know why when I was back in the 60s and there was such a big rebellion going on in the 60s? Uh, y'all, y'all don't even remember any of that, but ain't nobody here alive was alive in the 60s besides me. But there was this giant movement of rebellion, right? That's what they were known for. You ever wonder why they didn't have tattoos? They didn't do the tattoo thing? You ever wonder about that? Well, someone over here said, too expensive? <laughs> trust money didn't stop us from nothing. That bottle of booze, man, we could get that. No, the money didn't stop nothing. You know why they didn't have tattoos? Uh Uh-uh. They were scared to death to get diseases because back in that day, probably 50% of the people got tattoos, got diseases because they didn't have the clean methods and the clean ways to do it like they do today. That's That's the only reason they didn't have them. That, that's true too. That was going on, but that wouldn't have stopped the guys in the 60s. That's what the guys before him said. It. The guys in the 60s are like, y'all, they'd have done anything when anybody said, don't do this. I'm doing that. Why? Because I want to be different. That makes you like everybody else. Man, you get my point. <laughs> there is no different. You're just like everybody else. So quit trying to be different. Try to be God, like God, like God wants you to be. Be like Jesus. That's what he said. Quit trying to be different and be like Jesus. Believe it or not, that's where the difference found. Do you know that? When you really want to be different, go out and start doing what God says. Now you're different. <laughs> and it's a good different because it leads to a place that's not eaten by the lions. I want you to think about this. When you walk into a room, no matter what the scenario is, you, you're going into a church, you're going into the church party next week. When you walk into the room, do the demons fear you? See, uh, there are people in this room I can look at. There's Kerry Cox. There's Wes back there. I mean, there's many people I could name that I picture when they walk into a room. If we could see what's going on in the realm that we don't see—the spiritual realm—you would see demons going, "Oh, there comes Wes! Man, sharpen my tylons. get these things ready because 'cause I'm fi- we're fixing to be in a war. This guy's a fighter." They fear him. Do they fear you when you walk in the room? Are you walk in the room, they look at you and go. <laughs> Easy pray. Which one are they doing? You better hope they're fearing you. Because if they're not, they're going to eat you alive. And that's what we're trying to work on. I got to tell you guys, as if you can't tell, I'm getting old. Sometimes, a true confession, sometimes, I just want to quit. Sometimes I just want to stay at home, kick my feet up in the chair and watch TV. Sometimes I want to sleep in till noon. Sometimes I want to say, let the young guys do this fighting. I fought long enough. But then I look around me. First I look up that great cloud of witnesses and then I look around me (laughs) right here and I see you and I think I can go on I'm blessed I'll keep fighting I got these kind of warriors fighting with me I, I can keep fighting I can keep training I can keep going what did I just say did you catch it you motivate me. All you guys in this room, just being here, motivates me. You don't know how motivating it is to start something you, 10 years ago when me and Carrie just said, Man, let's just get together and do our own thing because this other thing ain't working. And it'll just be a little thing because it's just two ministries, but uh, we'll just do our own thing to it, looking 10 years forward and being this. To say we didn't dream it, I don't think we were dreaming it in the very beginning. We just wanted to do something together. And now, well, we're doing something together, all right, ain't we? Is this not encouraging to you to get to come up to something like this and see other people involved in what you're involved in, training to be warriors, that you're trying to be warriors? Does this not motivate you? It motivates me that you're watching me. It motivates me. God's blessed me with a lot of people that are here now. And God's blessed me with certain people in my life. I could name probably 15 or 20 or more. Uh, I'm only going to introduce three of them to you today. And I want you to know something before I do it. When I was sitting down writing this up and thinking about how to do what I'm about to do, I thought, man, this seems awful prideful, awful arrogant. Because there are men that are going to be in that room that could bring up I'm going to bring up some people and show you, kind of develop a legacy. They could bring up a a line a mile long, and here I am bringing up just a few. I want you to know I recognize that, but I'm the one that asked to speak on this topic, so I'm the one that's bringing up some people to look at as a legacy. Because if it was Carrie, y'all would all be up here, and and the legacy would be back here talking to empty seats because they brought so many. So I, I recognize that. So it's not coming from arrogance. It's coming from, I want you to know about some of the people in my life that are continuing the fight. This is kind of a a legacy, a small part of it that's behind me. Josh Wilson. Where's Josh? Josh, would you come up here? Josh was reached in our Tampa ministry uh, years ago. Um, And Josh has been a warrior ever since he was reached he's been a part of reaching out to people I mean there's people I'm sure he may even talk about that are that are up there in that great cloud of witnesses now that were reached by Josh he's continually reaching Josh picked his family got married to a lovely young lady picked his family up and moved to Tulsa because the worry was the church there didn't want to fight anymore they didn't want lost people in their crowd so Josh said well I do so I'm going someplace that can fight. He looked at St. Louis and he looked at us and said, we need them right now. St. Louis doesn't need me, they got thousands of fighters. So he came to Tulsa. He's gonna introduce a couple of people in a minute, but I'm gonna bring all three of them up that I was talking about first. Kevin Klein, would you come up? Kevin was reached by our first CMU workshop. Our first CMU workshop, Kevin was looking online. He was a campus minister down in Louisiana. What was the name of the town? Ruston. Ruston, Louisiana. Okay. And he was uh, not being effective, and he wanted to find some place he could be effective. So he found us online. He came to our workshop and went home on fire. And he started reaching lost people, which in some churches, I know it's hard for y'all to believe, but this is crazy. In some churches, it causes... Discomfort. Causes discomfort to the point they're like, can you go someplace else? It's crazy, I know, but that happens. It happened to this man. He started reaching lost people, and the elders went, um, you're going to have to change your ways. Said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're reaching the wrong kind of people. Wow. You mean lost people? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need to reach doctors, lawyers. And... Never mind, I won't go that far. Kevin... came up, decided when that happened, to come up to Tulsa to be a part of a ministry where he could reach people. It wouldn't be a strange thing. So he came up, and he's been reaching a lot of people, he's going to introduce a couple of them to you in a second. Brent Bilby. (laughs) Mighty warrior. Brent was reached in our Tampa ministry. He's the rare. This is is a rare jewel right here, guys. Just focus on it. Some of you won't even understand what I mean by it, but he was... He was born and raised in the church and went through the church and and, and graduated high school, part of the youth group, and and came out of all, and still (laughs) became a warrior and stuck around and and become a warrior for Christ. Some of y'all, some of y'all don't even know the the sarcasm that was dripping off there because the churches I have been around for, I was raised in the church, the churches I've been around all my life, that's such a rare thing that that really is a diamond. It just doesn't happen very often. It, normally, it's people like you that have been reached, and you start reaching other people. Right. Instead, born and raised in church, people think, well, you know, we're kind of entitled. We don't have to reach anybody else because it's ours, and if y'all come in, you're messing up the show, man. I'm the boss in this show. You move along. <laughs> yeah, you don't understand what I'm saying. I get it. Some of you <laughs> don't. These guys have reached a lot of people. Guys, I want to ask you a question, and, and you can answer it for me. Do you guys even know? You don't have to answer this part because it's just yes or no. But do you even know that what you do motivates me? Yes. Okay. How does it affect you to know that you motivate me? What effect does that have on you to know that you motivate me? Okay, I got to go first here.
1: Um, <laughs> so, Briefly. For, yeah. <laughs> for me, it, it challenges me because you challenge me. And I I just see a brotherhood being able to challenge each other to get better, be better, be better warriors, keep going and keep fighting. And just helps me see what that looks like and how I can do that for others. Awesome. Thank you.
2: Well, honestly, it's second nature, partly because in the college age ministry, there's not too many people that are, that we're actually closer in age. And so I wouldn't want to lose somebody that I can kind of relate to and, hang out with but on, on top of that, uh just as as a friendship, it's gonna be second nature because I don't wanna lose you You know, we're side by side fighting in this. I'm gonna keep going. if you're like I'm putting my sword down, I'm gonna pick that up. <laughs> so So that's that's the way it, it, it's just second nature.
3: Yeah, uh it it encourages me, uh gives me gives me strength to keep going when I when I see that uh, the man who's, who's reached so many others and long story short, God moves you to, to Tulsa and, and you keep doing it and, and to, be, to be reached and, and taught what it means to, to be a man of God and, and to fight and have the privilege of fighting alongside, um, it's uh, mutually motivating. It, it encourages me to keep going. Okay, I want each of you to bring, give
0: me two living examples the legacy that's currently living right now. And I know you could give me more than two, but go ahead and give me two. In other words, bring up your two people. You can also talk about any that are in your great cloud of witnesses, as long as you're brief.
1: So people in my great cloud of witnesses, above my grandmother, uh, Doc Klein, just how she lived her life, how she really gave everything to, not just her family, but to lost people as well, and challenging me to get to know the lost as well, uh, even though I didn't really take into that until much later, but just looking at that. And then uh, Donnie Hilliard, one of my college professors, who um, gave me a a love to strengthen family, um, wherever it is. But my two people who are here now, uh, Adam and Mike, come on up. So (laughs) Mike Witzer was... came to us in the Tulsa ministry and even though I didn't necessarily do the study um I you know uh, it was actually Carl Dixon who uh, brought him in but when he got called to a different battlefield he and I got brought in together and we have been fighting side by side for many 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 souls and just seeing how he challenges me on a daily basis um just to be better because I know when I'm better he's better he looks at me and we challenge each other and because of that relationship we actually reached Adam Hopkins and uh met him out at ORU where I work uh we got to talking about a fight and then all of a sudden we <laughs> started getting he came to the coffee shop, and we started studying. And then all of a sudden, now he's on the fight and the war path and being able to do the things that we're doing. And it's all because of what we've been instilling in each other and what God's doing through that.
0: So a question for you two guys. How does it affect you to know that Kevin's
3: watching you? (sighs) Well, for me, it's it challenges me more to do what God calls me to do. Um, and so it's, cause like he challenged me when I first, after I got done with my study, he challenged me to reach souls with all my heart and all the passion that I have. Um, one of the places that I got the opportunity to do that was at T- uh, Tulsa University, with um, just doing music and talking with people. Um, and seeing the passion I had, like, Having him look at me like, man, you have a responsibility. And then turn around like, you're leading me and helping me grow. So that's, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He pushes a button that I think only he can push. And (laughs) it may sound weird, but it gets the message through, because,
2: yeah. <laughs> see two people have had the privilege of being able to be a part of their lives. Uh, Mark is one, why don't you come up here? And another one would be a gentleman I went to school with, who actually passed away. He would be a, a cloud of witness. His name is Troy. Um, so those are the two.
0: Um, Same question for you. How does it, does it make you? How does it motivate you to know? He's watching you.
3: Well. Uh, <laughs> oh shoot i really really like to win and me and him have a very competitive relationship um but i mean no like uh, anytime i'm struggling with like my faith or early on especially because he was my cell leader anytime i was struggling um it was just someone that i could like go and ask questions and like get answers um shoot yeah someone that I, i could run to for help um but, yeah, someone that always keeps me going and keeps my competitive drive alive, <laughs> for sure.
0: Josh, hang on before you pass that on. I, I want you to talk about Troy for a second. Just be okay. real brief. But I want you to talk about Troy because he he's also my great cloud of witnesses. He's watching both of us. Okay. That man had an effect on both of us.
2: All right, so I'll give a quick
0: real quick. quick,
2: quick background here. That um, So I moved around a lot. Uh, being in a military family, some of you guys can realize moving around for one reason or another, uh, didn't really know what having a strong friendship was like, because it was every two years, I'm changing. So I met Troy, ended up getting to know him for 13 years. That's a long time in my book. That's a scary place, that's a deep place. He didn't really have much of a father, so I kind of assumed a little bit of that role. Very bright guy, engineer, electrical engineer, uh, was into cars, we would work on cars together. Uh, he had a motorcycle and that, that type of thing um, Took care of his mom, lived with her um, And just real quickly, I was supposed to get breakfast with him Just on a Saturday, hadn't been talking to him, you know, just checking in Just like you, a good mentor would You want to keep up with your friends, you want to see how they're doing And then I got a call in the middle of the night that um, he had died uh, on a motorcycle And it was from his mom, I was the first person she called And uh, he was only 30 years old. And I thought, well, you know, before that time, I was like, dude, you're going to get married. I'm going to get married. We're going to raise our kids, and they're going to be friends. And it just gets really real when you realize that life can be really, really short. So when I think about Troy, I I can't help it, but I get a little bit emotional. Because when you've been that close and you lose someone that close... um, it helps you understand that you've had a healthy relationship and that you've loved very, very deeply. And I think only God could allow that opportunity to happen where I could have an enjoyable male brother-to-brother bond that when they see him, they're like, oh, where's your buddy Josh? Or they see me, they are like, oh, where's your buddy Troy? And uh, so when I think about now, and actually my son's middle name is named after him, so it's funny. But... Um, but when I think about him and him passing on and and looking down, um, it makes me think of healthy, and how healthy relationships are possible, and that's what you should constantly, daily strive for. Uh, so
0: that's. I'll give you an example of Troy's faith that I experienced. Uh, he came to me. He'd had been working on his motorcycle and cut off his uh, portion of his finger, about about that much of it of his finger, and he'd gone to the doctor and got it stitched up, did, did what they have to do to get it back, you know. He immediately came from there to me, and I don't say this jokingly. This is an example of his faith. He came to me and was asking me, can, can, can we pray? Can, can God heal that and grow it back? Now, some of you, that just sounds silly that there would be such a thing, and, and don't think I'm about to tell you we prayed and it did grow it back because I, I shared with him I haven't, I haven't personally witnessed God working that way in, in our current century, but I'll certainly pray with you and we'll pray together about it. But that's the kind of faith he had to even ask. It takes a lot of faith to even ask that. It wasn't nativity either, it was true faith on his part.
3: Joseph and Lancelot, if you'll come up here. So Joseph was the first guy that we had baptized out at Rogers State when I started there three years back. Uh, and it's awesome to see he walked away for, for a stint. Um, but there were some people that, that stayed in the, in the Land Rover, and he, he came, and he, he got back in. Uh, and he got serious about the fight, and it was an absolute privilege. I guess it was last April that you got married? Yes, it was. Yeah, so to get to see right. him, him marry a, a godly woman um sydney in the college ministry and get to be his best man was was amazing um to get to be a part of that and then lancelot uh he was he was reached uh through humans versus zombies game uh, i guess two almost three years ago now yeah yeah, yeah and so um just a guy that uh through he could tell you his story at, at another time um and, and it would rip your heart out, but it would also give you hope that God can take people in a broken situation, not only piece them back together, but make them agents of healing. Uh, and to see him um, break some cycles in his life and to, and to get into the fight and, and reach a whole slew of people from little, little bitty Ramona, Oklahoma, which is a high school, that, uh, some of which came to campus, some of which he just kind of pulled back and pulled in. It's been, it's been a privilege to, to see that take place. So those, that's a little bit about my guys. Go ahead and have a seat
0: guys. We're gonna have to cut some of this short because I just realized I'm going over time. So, sorry. What you saw there, I hope, was a small example of a legacy that can be left, a legacy that can be developed, a legacy that's going on behind you. I hope that every one of those that you saw at the end are reaching people that they could bring two up here, and then they reach people that could bring two up here, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because that's the thing that we're all doing right now, right? You're all establishing a legacy right now. What do you want said about you when you're gone? I'm going to run through this last part real quick, I promise you, because I was going to read some stuff here and get some feedback from you, the audience, but but we're already out of time, so instead I'm just going to go into how do we do it. How do we endure this martyred life that we're living through now? The rest of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, tell us. Give us the answer. So I'm going to real quickly unpack that. First, you throw off everything that hinders. I was going to have you give me practical examples of doing that. But the first thing you do is cast off everything that hinders you from running this race. Everything that hinders you from being affected. Second, throw off the sin that entangles you. Look at that word, entangles you. That's what sin does to us. It entangles us. Throw off everything, that, every sin that entangles you. How do we run the race with perseverance? Because that's what's in the scriptures too. Run the race with perseverance. How do we do that? These are things you can be thinking about instead of me getting audience feedback. I'm almost done. What does it mean? Last but not least to think about, what does it mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? What's that mean to you? Think it through close out just as an encouragement what the joy set out before us is. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs our troubles. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the grace of God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered for a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. Guys, stay in the Land Rover. Thank you. I love all you guys.